Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings New Orleans Saints Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Judd Zolgad. Let me start us out, Judd. I'm going to make a statement, and I want you to react to it. Here's how I feel about the Vikings' 30-20 loss on Sunday Night Football. I think the Vikings both showed that they can play with any team in the NFL and showed why they haven't been playing with every team in the NFL. Because... They moved the football, they scored points, they got stops on defense, they got a turnover, the first interception of the year for the league's best quarterback. They did not allow Drew Brees to throw it all over them. They didn't allow the Saints to run it down their throats. They scored. Diggs had a great game. Thielen had a great game. They ran the ball effectively. And yet, the mistakes that we have talked about against Arizona, against the Jets, going back to the Buffalo game, they cropped up against this team, the New Orleans Saints, mm-hmm. and New Orleans stepped on their throats and gave them no chance to win, whereas the Jets and the Cardinals, they let them off the hook. The Saints are not going to do that. So even though I think the Vikings played a very good football game, when you look at the tape, you're going to see a very good football game by this team. They executed a lot of things, but they also made the two worst plays of the night, and New Orleans is not going to let you do that. And any team that's facing them in the playoffs is not going to let you do that and get away with it. It's very safe to say that the Vikings tonight sabotage themselves completely. And, and this goes back to, the, in fact, um, box score-wise in some ways, what we saw take place tonight, if you look at the statistical summary and don't look at the score, Matthew, is a little bit like what we saw in the 2009 NFC title game, which is, oh my goodness, let me give you exhibit A of the box score from tonight's game, Blind test, I'm not telling you the final score or who won or who lost, okay? Kirk Cousins, the Vikings starting quarterback, 31 of 41, 359 yards. He was sacked four times, but he threw two touchdowns, a pick, which turned into a pick six, but nonetheless had a passer rating of 107.7. Now I will give you Drew Brees, future Hall of Fame quarterback, going against a defense that we, I think, still consider to be pretty damn good. 18 to 23, 120 yards, one touchdown, one pick, passer rating 84.8. 
If I give you that and I don't tell you the score and I had given you these statistical summaries of the two quarterbacks on Friday, I think it's safe to say you say, well, the Vikings won that game, right? But this comes down to this team so far, the Vikings have the ability to sabotage themselves. And I think we can say consistently until you got to at least the NFC title game a year ago, this team did not do that. They did not, mis- they did not make mistakes that undid them. And this is why we come back to talking about Cousins in particular, but this entire team is they do things that will lose you football games. And I think when we say that, it's very safe to say against good teams. So if you're playing the Cardinals, you know what? You can win. If you're playing the Jets on the road, you can win. But when you are playing, but when you're saying to yourself, okay, going into this game, you're playing the Saints, and now you've got a chance, you've won three consecutive games, including beating the uh, Defending World, Se- World Series, Super Bowl champions to start. But you have a chance now to say, are, we, are you in that upper echelon as the Vikings, or are you in an echelon down below? The Vikings make enough mistakes to, I think, confidently still say, you can't put them in that upper echelon territory. Okay, so if I thought that this was a one-time deal, that it was just tonight, it was random, Adam Thielen never fumbles, and he fumbled, and Kirk Cousins does throw bad interceptions, but that one was kind of bizarre. We're still not sure whether it was Diggs thinking that he saw something else or Kirk just making a really bad decision or what exactly it was was the cause. I would then tell you, if this had happened last year, Judd, I would have probably said if it was Kirk Cousins and not Kate Keenum, and they had played the way they did, if they weren't turning the ball over through most of the season last year, if, if not all of the season, they weren't turning the ball over at all, they were playing really sharp football, then I would have said to you, ah, look, it's random, it, this is football, there's bad bounces, and hey, maybe that fumble could have just as easily been picked up by the Vikings, and whatever, no big deal, they played great, and you get the loss, oh well, move along, get your wins against Detroit, go into the bye week, get healthy, come out flying. But let's just go week by week real quick. In week one, the Minnesota Vikings could not finish off San Francisco on offense. They let the 49ers back into the game. There was a dropped interception by the 49ers that could have been a pick six in week one. In week two, Kirk Cousins is bailed out of a game-losing interception by a very bizarre penalty that wouldn't have even been called this week. Right on. On we've seen Clay a lot Matthews, of those. You are correct. We have seen those yes. penalties. Vikings go. lose that game on that. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Week three fumbles, lose them the game, give away ten free points to the Bills. They never get back in it. Week four fumble at the end of the game against Los Angeles when you have a chance to go down. I mean, are you seeing a trend here, Judd? Against Arizona, fumble turns into a touchdown. Against the New York Jets, they gave plenty of opportunities for the Jets. To, to be in that game, and, and the Jets wouldn't let them. The, the mm-hmm. fumble backwards, most specifically, which we've addressed. Mm-hmm. It's every single game that there are mistakes at the quarterback position and in other areas mm-hmm. by this team that leaves it impossible for you to sit there and say, oh, yeah, they're as good as the Rams or they're as good as the Saints. I can't get there. Even though roster-wise, you have to be extremely impressed. Holton Hill played a that's, good game. That's what I was going to say. Drew, I, Bree, Drew Brees was held to 120 yards passing with Xavier Rhodes sidelined. Right, and we Anthony talked Barr. About, we talked about the formula for this game if uh, Rhodes and Barr couldn't play it, and they both did not play. The formula for the Saints' success was a demolition of a guy like Holton Hill. It never happened, and you still didn't win. And in fact, in fact, your mistakes were so costly that you lost fairly decisively. This was not a three-point loss. 
This was not a three-point loss. This was a loss where, where there came a time in the second half where you said to yourself, this is pretty much done. And, and the other frustrating thing, if you're a Vikings fan, what should drive you up the wall is this. You turn to me in the press box before the Thielen fumble with the Vikings in control of that game, moving down the field, and you said to me accurately, I think, the Vikings can put their foot on the Saints' throat right now and end this game. That's late second quarter. And instead, Thielen fumbles. And, and listen, this is not picking on him because he does so much more good than bad. It's not even close. It's not a question. He is a great player. But it is an accumulation of mistakes that you cannot afford. And this was a game where, where with one game to go against Detroit before the bye, you had a real chance to have a feel for where you were completely, and you don't right now. Okay, so on that play specifically – now, I would very much tell you that that is so random and bizarre. Don't even bring it up almost. Like, yeah, it determined the game tonight, but as far as big, big picture, guess who I'm not concerned about? Adam Thielen. However, now here's a guy that I am concerned about. The cornerback, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, picks the ball up, and he brings it to the 33-yard line of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, in that case, you are still all right. You've caused an interception from Drew Brees. You've pressured Drew Brees. You've stopped their run game for the most part. Let's say you give up a field goal there. You feel fine if you give up a field goal there. Everyone shrugs their shoulders. You try to score at the end of the half, and we move along. But what happens? Laquan Treadwell does something so mind-blowingly stupid, he cost them a 15-yard penalty putting Drew Brees at the 18-yard line where, come on, I mean, he's going to score most of the time. And with Laquan Treadwell, I just can't get my mind around how he still plays. I mean, we saw this last year. We saw crack back blocks. We saw drop passes. We saw no separation. He started the second half, Matthew. it's, Not it, only does he still play, they didn't even discipline him for that. So Xavier Rhodes gets taken out of a game for kicking a flag. Xavier Rhodes is a great player. And cost him a pro touchdown. Bowl player. Yep. And then they get scored on in Los Angeles yep. because Mike Zimmer has an angry reaction and pulls one of his best players off the field for kicking a flag, but he does not penalize Laquan Treadwell for that same sort of thing, for a very, very bad penalty that set up a touchdown. And then we have... Some other things that I want to get to here, Judd, that I am a little concerned about. Well, their offense has moved the ball effectively in many cases. There were a few times tonight where I went, what in the world was that? There was a second and long handoff to C.J. Ham, which I don't know how that's defensible on any planet. Handing off to a guy who is a fullback, and even if he got loose, he couldn't get more than five or six yards, a player that I really like for what he does, but that makes no sense. That's just giving up on a, on a drive. And then... Second and 25 from the Vikings, 25. That makes, I mean, that makes zero Second sense. Second quarter, just and to you give know what? you... Here's the thing with this, too. Second and 25. If you told me they eventually got it, I believe you, because they have two of the best receivers in the league. Correct. So there's, there's number one. Correct. Incident number two is the end of the first half, and this is on Mike Zimmer. 30 seconds left, two timeouts at the 20 or 25-yard line. Somewhere in that area. They hand off to Mike Boone. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to get points back on the board, you have two of the best receivers in the league, and they are unstoppable tonight. Look at these numbers. Throwing to those two guys, 17 for 18, Judd. Mm -hmm. And you decide, no, 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 we better just take this to the half. They got boos from the crowd, and and they deserved it. And Mike was asked about that in his postgame presser, which we also should discuss here. 
and was basically said, did you do it because of the mistakes that, that had just transpired? And he said, yes. Now, he is in a very foul mood, so I don't know. That yes could, could have been like, I'm not going to explain myself to you, which he was not going to tonight. But the highly emotional nature by which he does things, i.e. the challenge flag that was thrown immediately tonight on a play that was very, very close, but you want to look at for as long as possible, not just throw the Ticey challenge flag and be like, screw it, I'm, good. I'm going to challenge this regardless. So that was it. I felt like after the Thielen fumble and Treadwell penalty that this team – took their dauber and put it way down and they got almost conservative and scared. And I don't know why, but I, I do know this. If you're going to be, if you're going to have any chance of being a championship team, mistakes like that can't end your night. And in this case, it really seemed like it impacted them way more than it should have. So I've got another example of just a thing that I haven't decided yet, whether to be really concerned about or not. Some of the play calling decisions, fourth and one, going for it in the middle of the field is the right move in my opinion. Because if you sneak, if you spread it out and you sneak, you have about a 90% chance of getting it. We've seen them succeed all over the place on that. The way the defense was playing, I think they were doing really well for the most part. I mean, considering who they're playing. So I even trust the defense at that point. Middle of the field, that's an area where you can go for it. And when you're down in the game, do it. But you know what you don't do is throw the ball to Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> throw it to your worst wide receiver. Aldrick Robinson is better than him. I might and he trust, was open. I, I might trust anybody. And he was he, open, and too. And he was open, yes, and I will was. say it was an inaccurate throw, and that's what cost it, is that the throw was high, and Marshawn Lattimore was able to knock it loose, so it wasn't Treadwell's fault. But if you're looking at the process, not the results, you have Adam Thielen, Pro Bowler, Stephon Diggs, $70 million superstar. You have one yard to go, which is a 90% right. play if you sneak. Yes. And your decision is to throw to a receiver who has the worst quarterback rating when you target him over the last two years? Yes. I don't get that. It's also it's also fourth and one, and, and you've got this big burly guy named C.J. Ham who you ran on second and 25. If you're ever going to let the poor guy get a carry, just have him barrel through on fourth and one. I mean, you, you could do that, too. There, tonight's game, it's really a weird game because there was a long time here in the first half where you thought to yourself, the Vikings are going to win this game, and there was a period there where you thought they're going to control this game, and they did a lot of things both decision-wise and, and fundamentally, physically, that, that proved to be their undoing. And that leads me to this statement. I said the three-game winning streak, which went, what, Eagles, Cardinals, and Jets, yes. took, to me took away the Buffalo game. Like, the Buffalo game is just gone. I, it's fine. It's gone. It was terrible, and, and I don't know if it was because guys knew about what Everson Griffin was going through or what, but that game was just gone. So the three-game winning streak told me this team is back on track, setting up the Saints game. And I thought, okay, this game is going to decisively tell me something about th this team, and I feel like I know nothing now. Because I don't know if these mistakes are, are something that's to come. I don't know if the play calling, which was weird tonight, is something that's going to continue. So giving you a crystal clear read with, with one game left before the bye on who this team is, I can't possibly do right now. So that's a really interesting point because when I look at the upcoming schedule for this team, 
I see a lot of opportunities for this to go either way. And what it really is going to depend on is not whether they have talent or not. It's going to depend on whether they make these massive mistakes like they have. I mean, now Stephen Weatherly was saying after the game, well, okay, so it's easier to correct some of the big mistakes as long as you're playing good football overall. And I might believe that if there weren't big mistakes every single week of this season. Even the Eagles game they almost gave away to Philadelphia with a backward pass that turned into a fumble. So you're talking about facing a Detroit team that's very bizarre, and I don't know what to think of them. And has never lost here. That, right. That, Which is Matt, sort of weird, Matt and Stafford, I don't like Detroit. But, but Matt Stafford can turn it on. Absolutely. When it's off, it's off, but when it's on, he's very good. Yep. Chicago at Chicago is always a pain in the neck for this team. And Khalil Mack's probably back by then and causing Kirk Cousins great grief. Aaron Rodgers looked pretty healthy to me today in Los Angeles. His uh-huh. team... He would have won that if not for a fumble. I'm certain of it, that he would have gotten the ball back and brought them down and won that game. So Green Bay, no joke. Yep. Then you got New England. Then you got Seattle. So these next five games here, if you make mistakes against any of these teams, Stafford has made you pay in the past. Yep. Chicago's got the great defense. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. And by the way, how good is Russell Wilson? I mean, so and you got to go out there. So where this team's going to be defined is over these next five games, we're going to find out whether they're really a contender or not. But for, for this right here, this was their opportunity to show they could play with anyone. For a lot of this game, they did. But they also showed what their undoing will be. And this is Kirk Cousins, Judd. I mean, this is his career. This is like who he is. It's 9-7, and 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and and lots way, of turnovers. Like, this is who he is. He fumbled again tonight. And fortunately, his knee was down, okay? But that fumble was the formula for his fumbles. Like, don't don't just say, oh, he was down, it's not a fumble. No, go back and watch that play. There, but for the grace of God, his knee got down. But that was the formula for the Cousins' mistakes. And isn't it funny? Isn't it just so weird that, that the reason why Case Keenum is not here is because Mike Zimmer spent the entire 2017 season, Matthew Collar, living in fear of the mistakes that Case Keenum narrowly avoided, and Cousins is consistently, unfortunately for him, making those exact mistakes, but they're really happening. The pick six, and, and listen to something else on Twitter. Folks, the Stefan Diggs pick, okay? I know y'all played high school football, and that's awesome, but don't tweet me. That's all on Diggs. It's all Diggs. We don't know. And by the way, nobody I heard postgame Zimmer Cousins was accepting any responsibility or providing explanations. So let's assume it's on both players, and it's not a good thing. So don't give me, well, it'll be fine. No, it's not fine. And just because just because the Wyzetta High School playbook had you – running that route correctly doesn't necessarily mean that Kirk, that Kirk Cousins didn't screw up too. So that, but Kirk Cousins is making the mistakes that Zimmer basically got up to the podium on a weekly basis in 2017 and talked about a horseshoe being up Case's rear end. And by the way, there was a pick six there to be had for Manti Teo who dropped it. So it wasn't the only one of that yeah. type of ilk. And it's something that we see on a weekly basis. And so that's the thing with Cousins is that it brings us back to the same place we've been on him for a very long time. And he just seems to show it almost every week, all the phases of Kirk Cousins, where he is making throws tonight that are just wonderful. The touchdown throw to Stefan Diggs is incredible. He's got a 30-yard pass down the sideline that is just perfectly placed 
And, and at times he, he can move the ball and he can play really well, but then you look up and it's 30 to 13. And then he's padding another 150 yards of stats onto his, mm-hmm. uh, onto his book. But at the same time, he's not winning you the game. And it just reminds me a lot of what I saw going through last year that when he didn't have some superstar tight end, when he didn't have these great offensive linemen, when he didn't have necessarily a running game that was effective consistently all the time, there were great moments and there were down moments, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Only, I guess I got to tell you, I didn't expect it to play out like this, where it's every week we see all the phases of Kirk Cousins, but that's, but exact, that's exactly what we got. Well, yeah. every, I, having it happen every single week, I thought that there would be weeks where he was just so incredible and others where you just don't know what happened. Yeah. But this, but this year, outside of the Buffalo game, it's been a big mistake costs him almost every single week or comes very close to it, and then he also makes throws where you think, gosh, look at this guy play quarterback. It's just fantastic. Explain to me uh, what, what you saw post game too, with Cousins and, and his receivers, because this to me is intriguing, I think is probably the, the best word, because it's not damning, but it's definitely intriguing. Yeah, I, I mean, just at his locker meeting with Laquan Treadwell, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen, and clearly having a conversation with them, which is interesting on a couple levels. First of all, that it was happening while reporters were still in there, mm-hmm. which was surprising, and I don't know if that's some sort of show for us or not, uh, because normally that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, I, I saw it once last year where the receivers had a meeting on their own in Carolina after that loss, but I don't think they were doing it in front of reporters on purpose I, I don't think we were supposed to have noticed that um, but it's also interesting because it makes you wonder what happened on a few of these plays or, or what what is being said there why aren't they on the same page on some things or why are some big mistakes happening but you know when, when you look at the results when you look at the statistics that they've all put up you would have to say man I mean they, they've had a ton of success like his quarterback rating is great and Thielen is breaking records left and right, the most receptions through this many weeks of a season. I mean, it's hard for anybody to complain, but you know what reminds me so much of, Judd? I I can't shake this feeling, is 2016. I mean, this it's like to a T where you have injuries a lot more than you had last year, where you have, I mean, think about how many times they could have won 2016. They lose to Detroit on a missed field goal and then a, a crazy play in overtime. They lose to Washington on a Sam Bradford pick. They lose in Detroit on a Sam Bradford interception. I mean, this feels very much like a team that's actually super talented and deep and excellent and could compete with anyone that just can't get out of its own way sometimes. Which is why Zimmer's demeanor post-game press conference tonight was so intriguing. Uh, it's not because of a thing he said, and, and he, he actually, his opening statement tried to sell, you know, we played really well, we did a lot of good things offensively, we, we moved the ball defensively, other than the Wildcat play early on, we stopped them, we did a really good job, that was all well and good and fine, but you can tell that Mike Zimmer knows that he has reached a critical mass of this year, because you could tell he was livid, and his answers were incredibly short, and he had no interest in explaining a thing. And, and that's fine. I get it. But to me, what this always, always goes back to is he learned his lesson in Philadelphia in 2016. 5-0, bye week, you play in Philly, you don't play well, and Zimmer, who, who at times can't help himself, is as truthful as he possibly can be and calls his team soft and loses the team completely. And so I think he knows 
I think what he has come to understand about this team is they're at a critical juncture of their year, Matthew. And the other thing that he, I think, is dealing with is how mentally tough is this team, starting with one very important position, that's the quarterback. Because if you go up there and you say that interception is unacceptable and we can't do that, and I'm sure he's upset about it, he knows that he could lose some very important people here. So without five starters, he attempted to verbally paint this as a pretty good picture. But if you go back and watch that press conference, you can tell he is anything but pleased with how things are progressing here. And I think this goes back to what we just discussed is I think Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, and Mike Zimmer all have really no idea exactly what this team is. We know they got the talent. As a fantasy football team, they'd be fantastic. But I think when you say, okay, is this a playoff contending Super Bowl-type team, nobody can definitely say yes right now. So what sticks out to me about that is something that we talked about a lot in the offseason, which was looking at the schedule, thinking about all the things that went their way, knowing Kirk Cousins is turnover-prone, the fumbles, double-digit interceptions every single year of his career as a starter – that there would be more bumps in the road this year than there was last year. That it just wasn't going to all fall into place perfectly like 13-3 and in a miracle season did. To even be 13-3 and was a miracle of its own. And you had all these great leaders in the locker room that really aren't there anymore with Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater and, and Terrence Newman is now a coach, but it's not the same as having him as a player. Mm-hmm. And then the Everson Griffin thing happens, and he's away from the team, and now it's probably not the same. I can't speak to that, but it's probably not the same now as it was before, and that's been a distraction for them. And really what it was going to be all about that we had projected was how they handled the tough times. And this one, I think a lot of this team will look at it like, hey, I did my job on Sunday, and you did your job, and you did your job couple of bad things happened and we lost that game but we actually played really well in a lot of areas so that's fine but these things start to pile up you know I mean even going back to training camp where you have Tony Sperano pass away and then Nick Easton's out for the year and Joe Berger was a great right guard and also a great personality on the offensive line so he's gone and you're just you're dealing with kind of these hits over and over again and a loss here on Sunday night that I mean, at one point, it's 30 to 13. So you can't sugarcoat this and say, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, another, it's another blow Correct. for this team to have this loss because this was an opportunity for them to show the world, yeah, put us in that same category for teams that belong in the Super Bowl conversation. Now they can't say that. They, they cannot make they, that claim. They could have, if they had won in primetime tonight, you could have put them in, in probably the category of Rams won, but then Saints Vikings two absolutely now it's Rams one Saints two and you fall down into this area where, where you're not a bad team but there's a lot of teams and, and you can't put them up now with the Saints so so this goes from being very much of if they won you can define the Vikings as they lost a weird game to Buffalo, but they're a really good team and now it's I don't know for sure right it, that that makes it very tough for, I think, us to figure out who they're better than or where they stand in the NFC or to know how they're going to handle some of these situations because everything they went through last year, they proved to us time and time again 
until the very last game that they could take on almost any amount of water and still handle it where we don't really know that yet. I mean, they bounced back really well from Buffalo and played well in Los Angeles, bounced back defensively from all that, but also kind of ran into about as best of an opponent and beat Philly. Like they deserve credit for that. Philly is not the same, but still a decent team. Absolutely. So going there, that was big for this team. So they proved to us when they went there that they could get through some tough times. It'd be and, a pretty good team. And beat a pretty good team and then handle the last two opponents. So now it's going to get even tougher, though, because it's just great quarterbacks on the way. So let's let me play a quick game with you. Okay. I want to read you some NFC teams, and I want you to just tell me whether they are definitively better, definitively worse, or you have no idea yet. Okay. Okay. So you, the Rams and Saints, we agree, definitively better. Two best teams. Okay. So how about Green Bay? I have no idea. Chicago. Um, no idea again. Philadelphia. <laughs> Even though they won. Uh, not definitively better. I would, uh, but they're not definitively worse. No idea. Washington, five and two. Right now, definitively better. They are? Than, yeah. Than Washington? Okay, I could buy that. Yeah. Uh, Washington has won three in a row, five and two. Um, Carolina. That one, I no, no idea. Go North Turner. Last one I have is Seattle. I think the Vikings are definitively better, but but as we uh, talked about in the press box before tonight's game, credit to Seattle for going from from what I consider to be a bad team going into the year to an improving team. So by the time you play them, because of that quarterback, and this is the X factor in all of these conversations, depending on your quarterback, uh, this could be that could be totally changed again. So big, they're improving. Big picture takeaway on this is for me that this team is not ready to be in that conversation yet Yep. and that these mistakes, it's okay to try and argue that they're not repeatable or it's random or something, but they are, and it's happened every week. Mm-hmm. And until the, it stops happening and they beat good quarterbacks, yep. I'm going to have a really tough time believing that they can go anywhere but just making the playoffs. Let me give you a final thought on the quarterback that, that's occurring to me as we talk about this. And it involves the relationship between the head coach of this team and his quarterback. I in no way, shape, or form think Case Keenum was great. I think Case was, was due for sure to regress in 2018. And 2017, Matthew Collar was a magical carpet ride that was great fun. But, but, and this is a huge but, Mike Zimmer does not tolerate a lot of people very well and to case keenum's credit because he had been around for a long time and because he had been a journeyman and he's been through a lot of bad stuff as far as professional um his professional career goes he's had jobs lost jobs mike zimmer could get up to the podium and sort of just bash him on a weekly basis and it rolled off case keenum's back he might not have liked it he might have privately told his wife this guy is a bleep and bleep hole but you know what you never you never saw it impact him one bit kirk cousins needs to be handled way more with kid gloves and i think the question becomes this and, and this is something that you could not predict until until you see it play out so this is not a first guess by me it's an ongoing guess how does the Cousins-Zimmer relationship play out? Because Mike has a real problem biting his tongue for a long period of time. And so far, he has done his best. I'm sure he was told by the GM we're signing this SOB to a three-year, $84 million contract, so don't say a word about him. But I am so interested from this day forward now to see 
what the head coach does as far as his quarterback, because it's clear that Kirk Cousins does not take being criticized well. It's clear that does not make him play better, but you are dealing with a guy in Zimmer who eventually, I think, if the mistakes that we just talked about during this entire podcast continue, is not going to be able to bite his tongue for an entire football season. So here's what I'm interested in, because I, all that is valid and I agree with it all, and I'm, I'm very interested to see where it goes. What I'm interested in is to see if this team, after the bye week, can get healthy enough to play so well that some of these mistakes won't matter. And they played well tonight. But they didn't play perfectly. I mean, they let Drew Brees score in the red zone, and they allowed a 44-yard pass to a fullback, tight end, running back, receiver guy. And so there were mistakes that happened, and they didn't run over anybody in the running game or anything like that. It was serviceable, but it wasn't like they ran for 200 yards or anything like that. But can this team get healthy enough, especially on defense, to play so well like in week one against San Francisco, who's turned out to be a terrible team. But can they play like that, where even when Cousins goes 0 for 7 in the fourth quarter, even when there are times where he drives you crazy, even when there's a fumble, even when there's a pick six, that they overcome that anyway against good teams? That, to me, feels right now like a big stretch, but I don't close the door on it with a team that has this much talent. Five starters out tonight. Rhodes was out. Delvin Cook was out, Sandejo was out, Barr was out, Reef was out, Compton was out. The amazing thing is, without those defensive starters, Drew Brees still did not have a great game. So I'm with you. If you can get guys like Joseph healthy after the bye and be in good shape, I am curious. But it is slightly scary that we're talking about a Vikings loss to the Saints tonight where it would almost be easier if Holton Hill had gotten lit up. Right, right. And we could just say, Holton Hill got lit up, but I'm not surprised because Xavier Rhodes. But of the five starters I gave you who did not play tonight, there's not one who you said. I mean, Cook, I think, comes the, the closest for me just because I think the dynamic of the offense could potentially change if, if he was playing. But he has not been for quite a while. Um, but defensively, there's not one guy where you can say, if Xavier Rhodes plays and Holton Hill doesn't, this game is entirely di- different. Right. Drew Brees did not have a great game. And they still lost by a fairly, not a huge, but a fairly decisive margin. But, you know, a good point by our friend Sage Rosenfels, I'm certain he will make on the podcast again, is the stats really lie to you. Passing records really lie to you. I mean, John Kitna throwing back-to-back years for 4,000 yards is always my favorite example. Drew Brees didn't light up the scoreboard with his stats, but, man, he played the situational game. He threw, he threw the bad pick. But he played the situational game, and they got ahead, and they didn't give any air to the Minnesota Vikings. That was the thing. When the Vikings have gotten up this year, they've let every team in the game. Arizona's in well, the game, still you know breathing. Why? We've talked about it. Because it's Drew Brees. Well, no, but, but Drew Brees is essentially an offensive coordinator on the field, and, and the great quarterbacks are great at situational football. Yep. Guess what? The Vikings aren't. That's right. I mean, their situational football, it's cliched. But they're just not great at it. And I did, I did want to problem. I did want to wrap up with just what a credit to the way that they've developed players that Holton Hill played the way he did tonight, and they also did a great job. I thought giving him a lot of help. Ben Gideon was in today a lot, and I thought he played pretty well. I'm gonna have to look back, obviously, to see with each individual player. But to be able to put in Jaron Curses out there quite a bit. No, you're right. I mean, it really says something about the way that they pick players and develop players 
to be able to make up for the difference and handle this team in a lot of different areas, handle this great Saints team. Um, so I, I just wanted, as we were sort of flowing along with different things, to oh, add Zimmer's that in. A, yeah, no, he, he did. It, what's scary about or what the trouble with tonight's loss is when they go back and look at this film, they're going to see exactly what cost them this game, and it was it was just mistakes. Yep. But it wasn't one. It wasn't like they weren't prepared. They were prepared. They just made enough boneheaded plays and and odd mistakes to cost themselves what would have been a game that could have been a huge step towards saying this team is going to go into the second half of the season as a really red hot team. Okay, lots of breaking down. Of course, if uh, you haven't heard it yet live, Purple Live is our show where we do uh, the Purple Podcast over the air on 1500 ESPN. So make sure you check that out on Tuesday from 6 to 7. Myself and Courtney Crone, it follows the football hour, which includes Judd. And uh, we will have a couple of Sage Rosenfelses, some pro football focus angles on this. We will break it all down for you. So thanks for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.